Well, the weekend is over, but the analysis of the sadness that was last Saturday is not. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein. That's him, Jimmy. I know everybody's still sad. Um, that game was like Sylvia Plath reading Old Yeller to a bus, broken down bus full of orphans. I mean, that was sad. Just sad, sad. Uh, um, there was, but, but I was also so funny because that was funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, you rewatched the first quarter. I've, I've said I'm on record 100%. I will not rewatch this game. Now, I may see some highlights. I'm, I can't rewatch it because I get too angry because I know what's coming. So uh-huh. I'm going to uh, just not do that and leave the rewatching up to you. So you rewatched the first quarter. What did you see? Uh, I was encouraged uh, by a couple things. But keep in mind, this was a, a weird four-quarter game. Uh, the first quarter was unlike – the rest of the game. And with that, I'm, I'm a little encouraged, actually. And what I mean by that is um, just the first quarter alone. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about the first quarter. Uh, and really, the first quarter, by the way, was only two possessions for Alabama and two possessions for Texas. And the first quarter basically ended 3-3. Three to three. Now, Alabama kicked field goal to start the second quarter, so I'm counting that. But, 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 but the first quarter, plus one play, ended 3-3 three to three, with both teams having two possessions. Uh, I think uh, if you're scoring it like it's a boxing match, Alabama won that first quarter by a 10-9 decision. For those of you who know boxing well, uh, it wasn't it, what Alabama didn't you know blow them out. Or uh, I think Alabama just won the first quarter uh, for a few reasons. But number one being, you know, it's three to three and Texas scored their points because of Alabama's turnover. The biggest play of the first quarter that helped decide the first quarter was Jalen Milrow's first interception. It was uh, bad. It was bad. He did not see. Uh, I, I think Jermaine Burton had, he kind of locked on, you know, he does that. You know, he, he locks on to a receiver. Uh, very common with young, inexperienced quarterbacks. It's kind of like a security blanket. He locks on to that first receiver. When Jermaine Burton made his cut, Milrow threw it, which was smart. It was smart because he kind of threw it when Burton was making that cut, and, and maybe it was a good throw, other than the fact he did not see the safety that was uh, that was kind of baiting this. The safety saw this coming and baited him into it, and Milrow just never saw that guy, and and and, and he jumped it, and and uh, just a, gr- a good play by Texas, and a really poor play by Jalen Milrow that uh, that gave Texas points. Uh, Texas started that drive on Alabama's thirty-yard line. The goal at that point was okay, hold them to three, and the defense did. And on the other Texas possession, they forced a, a punt. Uh, so the defense played well on those first two drives, pretty well. Uh, I was really impressed, Luke, by the physicality up front. It was a really good performance by the front seven, particularly the defensive line. Tim Smith made two really good plays in the first quarter, even to the point I had to rewind and go, okay, this is 50, right? That's 50. Uh, two good plays by Tim Smith Good plays also by Tim Keenan, uh, my buddy at BOL, Clint Lamb. Uh, BOL, he, he did a great, 
uh, a breakdown of, of, of the snaps played in the first quarter. Uh, and again, funny that I did the first quarter, he did the first quarter, but he did a snaps played thing. Tim Keenan played more snaps than any defensive lineman in the first quarter, which is interesting, but Keenan did well. Um, the, the linebackers did well. Lawson and Marshall both had a really good quarter. Uh, and, and, and while Ewers, uh, Ewers did not make a lot of plays, what was bad pass rush, total lack of a pass rush, but Ewers didn't do too much. Not the first quarter. There, there, there weren't big plays by Ewers taking advantage of the lack of pass rush yet. Texas could not run the ball. Alabama, I, I'd forgotten because of what a mess the end of the game was. Alabama ran the ball pretty well in the first quarter, multiple RPOs, almost more than I realized in the stands. Uh, uh, Alabama ran a lot of RPOs and had quite a bit of success. Uh, again, we're not talking about raging success or Alabama would have scored more than three points, but it is notable that Texas on their three points, they get the ball at the Alabama 30. Alabama's three points drove the length of the field, primarily through plays in the run game. So, Hey, you get off to a three to three start in the first quarter. I think to this point, Alabama's out playing Texas, not by a lot, but like I said, a 10, nine kind of boxing decision. Uh, so far, I, w- I wouldn't say so far, so good. Here's the best way to put it, Luke. So far, not terrible. <laughs> so far, not terrible. Uh, nothing. Even the offensive line. By the way, no penalties. Alabama committed no penalties in the first quarter. Yeah, but they they made up for that. They did. They did that. that all that all the crap <clears throat> is to come. But the start wasn't bad, and I like the physicality, and I like the game plan. We were a little more pass happy than I would have chosen. For instance, we're doing like RPOs, moving the ball, RPOs, moving the ball. It's first and 10. Now we just drop back and do a pocket pass type thing. And I'm like, that was working. This was what we wanted to do and it was working. Just do it till you can't do it two or three times in a row. You know, but anyway. Well, well you're right about Clint Lamb because he had some tweets that were pretty interesting. He said, Tommy Reese started yesterday's game by calling a passing play on three of Alabama's first four first downs. That's 75% pass. Following Milrose first INT, Reese called a run on eight of the next nine first downs, so about 90%, and didn't start calling passes again until the two-minute drill. That makes it very, very predictable. And he says Alabama ran 16 plays of second and seven or longer. Threw the ball on 75% of those. Only ran five plays of on second and six or shorter. It's ran the ball 80% of that time. First of all, that's three times more failed first downs plays than successful. Secondly, that's way too predictable. Made things very easy on Texas. That is a pretty stinging indictment of our new OC, if you ask me. Now, does it mean he's always going to be awful? No. It means he he's probably learning the ropes too. But it does mean, look, when you take over the OC job at Alabama, you were typically handed the keys to a Ferrari. And so you need to treat it as such. Um, it, it seems like he was using a Ferrari to do his Uber pickups. That's not what you <laughs> want to do. But um, regardless, Jimmy, I'm, I'm going to go ahead right now and tell everybody about bird dogs because you know how I feel about bird dogs. I'm wearing bird dog wearing right now. And I, I'm wearing them right you. now. I got to make sure I don't show any. I'm not going to show you, but I'm wearing them right now, too. We're both we're bird dog well, friends. These are bird dogs. Right there. They're they're just bird dogs. They're just awesome. 
you need to go get you some. They sent me some joggers and I love them. I didn't think I was going to like joggers. I love them. I mean, like I just can't quit wearing all of them. Bird dogs make you look and make you feel good. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and through the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Trust me, I got some Lulus. They fit way better than regular shorts, and are, that those are made of stiff, restricting cotton, not bird dogs. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs are functional for any occasion, golf, a date, evening out, pool, workout, lounging. I've done all this. I've gone on a date in them. I've played golf in them. I've gone on evening out. I've been to the pool, done a workout, all that stuff. Lounging, I'm doing that kind of right now. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's a birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. And I do promise you, I mean it. I mean, I, I'm not the, I don't, I promise you this time I'm telling the truth. That's how uh, I need to let people know I'm not lying. Um, anyway, Jimmy, and uh, as I need to put the bird bog stuff up there for just a minute. But so now I want to issue an APB. All points Ooh. bulletin, missing persons, put them on a milk carton. Does that mean our iPhones are about to make really loud noises? <laughs> it, they should have made really loud noises about midway through the second last night. Um, <laughs> where in the world? I've specifically got two people, CJ Dupree, Kendrick Law. Where are they? Where are they? Where Where's our tight end action? Where's uh, I, I guess I'll throw in Danny Lewis. Where is he? Yeah, he played fewer snaps last night. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Clint's uh, total breakdown is. Clint does a really good snap share story every week, and we'll, and we'll see that. I'm, I'm doing the rewatch tomorrow uh, or the next time out. I'm going to do the second quarter. Um. Takes a while. It takes that for people that don't know it. It's it, I literally take two hours per quarter to do that work. So that's why I don't just sit down and knock it out. Um, now, uh, CJ Dupree, uh, he's played and I think he's blocking fairly what fairly well. I, I've not seen CJ Dupree blown up or at all. Uh, I think he's playing and blocking. He has not been a, a significant target in the past game yet. Though his tight end mate, uh, Amari Nablack, certainly has been a big part of things. I'm guessing Dupree is maybe slightly fewer targets than we would have guessed, mostly due to why ever throw it to 81 when we can throw it to 84, right? So I, I, I get that. That's just my answer. Uh, secondly, as far as Kendrick Law, he is playing. He's blocking his position really well. He's returning kicks, though he has yet to make a big play there. Uh, he has not been targeted as much as the other guys. And I want to say, uh, you know, in our last show, Luke, we, 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 we didn't really get to it, but about bright spots. You know, there were some, and we, we did highlight Burnup and Reichard, which we, you know, they were great. But I, I think I think a, a significant bright spot, really, in my mind, was we had some explosive plays from the wideout spot. The, the wideouts were explosive and made big plays. I thought it was one of Jermaine Burton's best games ever. Uh, considering he had two touchdowns called back. It was one of Burton's best games. I thought Isaiah Bond is sort of turning the corner from young, promising player to a kid who delivers every week. And uh, Malik Benson 
made a play or two in the game that was kind of a wow moment. And of course, Amari Noblack on that last touchdown that that, that he scored, that was like all oh, Amari Noblack. That, that, that was really good. So I do think that's a bright spot because we've been saying we've been bitching about, about that. I mean, the whole the whole fan base since we lost Metch and JMO, we've been going, we don't have outside playmakers. Okay, I think we do. I think we do. I think we turn the corner at that spot. We just have to get a little more consistent getting them the ball, obviously. Um, a couple of things about that. Uh, why don't we go get C.J. Dupree then? I mean, if, if we love Knobloch so much, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering, yeah. well, why, why don't we do something else? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, I think adding C.J. Dupree was the sign that, hey, we're serious about running the football. And to some extent we are. We're just not doing it that great. We did it okay in the first quarter of, of, of the Texas game. First quarter, it was okay. Uh, but we got C.J. Dupree so we could get a tight end that could block. Amari Noblack's problem last year was he just didn't show up with a body or a physical strength that was capable of getting that spot blocked as good as it needs. And, and now he's added about 15 good pounds of upper body muscle. And uh, while he's still not a great blocker, He's adequate enough to where we don't have to take him off the field. He's not a liability in the uh, block game. So, uh, and, and again, not block kind of became this player during the spring. We took uh, CJ Dupree back in January before the spring. Uh, I, you know, would we have still taken him? My answer is yes, because I, I think he's adding quite a bit as a blocker. But uh, fans, you know, we're, we're not going to notice that as much as when they're. Jimmy, either you're frozen or I'm frozen. There you go. One of us was frozen for a second. I wasn't sure yeah, which yeah. one it was. Uh, but anyway, um, here's what I thought. I had this – I should have said this in the first segment. When I was at the game last night, I had this thought that maybe this is going to be like a 2017-18 national championship game moment after halftime. Saban's going to go in there, lose his mind, and we're going to start playing a lot of – Freshman, we're just gonna say screw it. We got we got to get some pressure. Uh, Keon Keeley, um, Yanzi Pierre. But I mean, I'm throwing out names. I'm not. Right. Giving, I'm just. I'm trying something new. I'm like, hey, somebody go in there and make a play. I don't care who it is. We're gonna switch up quarterbacks. We're gonna find another receiver. We're gonna uh, Jalen Hill. We're gonna try him out. See how that goes. Maybe maybe throw it to him some more. Um, we're gonna do anything else. We're gonna do something to shake the sugar tree. To quote uh, Lori, what's her name? Lori Morgan, that's her. Isn't, that, isn't she a country music star that's like back on tour? She is a old school. She is an old school country music star, and I'm aware of a handful of her songs. But that is a new one. I think me. she sang the, the sugar, sugar tree. tree. But I, and I always thought that is what a youthful. Did, did you see this on Hee Haw? Uh, no, it just uh, <laughs> she. It, Actually, like she's on tour with like Pam Tillis or something, okay, and I think they're going to cool. every uh, outback steakhouse in the southeast and performing. So, anyway, I've just heard a lot of commercials for it. It's the uh, payphone, the payphone tour. I was really hoping that Saban would make some wholesale changes and get everybody geeked. I don't know if you heard this. I one hundred percent heard it when Milro went back out there as the starting quarterback. I heard a smattering of booze. I thought that was both terrible and warranted. Uh, warranted in the sense that the fans don't have – when people say you shouldn't boo your players or whatever, I get it. I understand that, and you shouldn't. But the fans don't have any other way to say, hey, we, we've been here all day. 
you you always say let y'all get here and make it loud. That atmosphere was as good as it gets for Alabama. I mean, people were bragging on. They had Vince uh, Young there. They had Matthew McConaughey there. We had uh, uh, just dudes everywhere, celebrities everywhere. It was a it was rambunctious. So when the fans get a little disappointed, I I kind of get that too. It's expensive to go to a football game, and when everybody's like. We got to do something. I don't know what it is, but we need we need to know, you know, we need to do something. Whatever we're doing is not working. And it felt like nothing ever changed. And that scares me. But we can talk about that more because there may be some change coming up. And we may talk about that. Uh, in fact, I think we will talk about that here in this third segment. But right now, I need to tell everybody about FanDuel. Oh, what a day on FanDuel it was with the NFL. Tua Tungvaluwa going off. I can't wait to do the podcast for tomorrow. We always like to talk about our NFL alums. Tua went off. I got him on my fantasy team. Fired up about that. But you need to get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5, that's really anybody who signs up and does this, uh, they get, uh, what is the other thing to get? They get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And I watched it today and I loved it. It was great. I thought it'd be complicated. It's not. Watch it on my phone. Watch it on my computer and on my TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is very easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel's official partner of the NFL. And by the way, the FanDuel line for Alabama and South Florida is 31. So go get you some of that because I think Alabama's going to here's, – here's where I'm scared, Jimmy. I think Alabama's going to come and slap South Florida around in Tampa, and everybody's going to be like, you know, why didn't we do that last week? Oh, at least we're back. Here we go. Man, we got we got a lot of problems, and I'm telling you, I'm not looking past South Florida. We're going to beat South Florida, but I'm not looking past them. I'm scared to death of the run of games where we're Ole Miss at home at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, Arkansas, uh, and Tennessee. That's a, that's a, that's a run, y'all. That's a run of teams that aren't probably as good as we are, but each one of them on some level is capable of beating us. Yeah, after you play South Florida, you play seven straight SEC games. Yeah. Seven straight SEC games. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying this a lot, like forget that I'm about to say this, but, but to make the playoff or to win the SEC West, you're going to have to win all these games. That, that I, I don't – I'm on, on board with the coaching staff this week, and I assure you what the coaching staff is doing based on what happened Saturday night, they don't care about anything in the world but beating South Florida. What do we need to do to improve – so that we can beat South Florida and put the best team on the field we can put this week. And I'm on board with that. I, I don't like at this point looking ahead to, well, Ole Miss is a win and Arkansas is a win. I'm not sure we can beat air right now. So let's yeah. uh, let's just focus on getting better. So having said all that, who takes the first snap yeah. against South Florida? My money's still on Jalen Milrow, yeah. but I'm not betting a lot and I want well, the odds. There's two answers to that. I mean, one is, are you asking me what, uh, what the staff is going to do or what Jimmy would do. And th- those, I'm asking those both. might not be the same answers. I'm asking both. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and I think they're going to be similar answers, frankly. <laughs> uh, I, I think this Way to build up and then have a written. I build it up down. and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm going with conventional wisdom. 
No, I think it'll be Jalen Milrow, and uh, it'll be for an answer that's going to drive everyone nuts, and and, and everyone hates this answer uh, in terms of why do I think the staff will continue to start Jalen Milrow or will start Milrow this week uh, because Jalen Milrow gives Alabama the best chance to beat South Florida. And I know that sounds like coach speak or some, but that's the answer. That is the answer. Jalen Milrow gives Alabama the best chance to go on the road and win the game because he's now the most experienced guy in this offense. And we have seen him do some really good things. It's just a matter of minimizing and reducing the bad things. And that's only going to come with play. Uh, he has now started three games in his whole collegiate life, kind of played four, but three games, that's it. This is a really inexperienced player that's still inexperienced. So you got to give him more experience to shake this stuff out of him. Now, what Jimmy would do, I can't say that the staff is going to do that, but what I would do, I would shorten the leash considerably. I would be prepared to move on. Uh, and by that, I mean, I would start, Jimmy would start Jalen Milrow this week against South Florida because it gives us the best chance to win the game. But I'm going to take Milrow out in one of two situations. Uh, if Milrow starts the game and doesn't play well, and that's possible, it's on the road against an FBS football team. It is possible. If Jalen Milrow starts out and he's just not playing well and you've played a quarter and a half of football and the offense is a mess, I would go with Buckner at that point. I would. Secondly, let's say Jalen does come out and he does play well against an overmatched opponent and Alabama looks much better and gets a big lead. I would still take Milrow out earlier than you did against Middle Tennessee. I want some real snaps for the number two guy. And if y'all if y'all are telling me it's Buckner, then it's Buckner. But I want to see him earlier. Uh, I want to see him at 31 to nothing. I don't want to wait till it's 42 or 49 to nothing. I, I, I need Buckner to get some snaps this weekend because against Ole Miss the next week, I may need Buckner to win the game. And, and garbage time against South Florida is not going to do it. So that's what Jimmy would do. But Nick Saban's not going to ask me, and it's a good thing he's not because I'm an idiot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I'm an idiot. He doesn't need to ask me, but people listen to the show, and they they, they might, might want to know my opinion about That's what I would do. But in terms of I think the staff is going to handle it like it's, like it's still Jalen Milrow until it's not Jalen Milrow. One other quick point to make. And, and again, this may bother to a lot of people. They're not going to care about this. And, and, and maybe Luke didn't care about this. And if you don't care about that, that's fine. I'm just dead set against this. If you bench Milrow and take him out and you go with Buckner or Simpson or whatever you're going to do, he's leaving. Not now. He won't. He's a good kid. He, he's going to wait till the portal, but he's leaving. So in other words, when you give up on Jalen Milrow, you will, you will not have Jalen Milrow. And I'm not going to be mad at the kid. The kid wants to play. I get it. So just, just know that, hey, you're not putting him on the bench for a few minutes or a few snaps. Once you bench Jalen Milrow, welcome to 2023. There is a new reality. You have given up on his career at Alabama. And in my opinion, and I might be the only person on this island, I think he's too talented to stay. Say today we're going to be good. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that today. Y'all might, but I'm not saying that about a sophomore that just made his third start. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not ready to give up, but and I'm shortening the leash.
for sure. Well, That's here's me. one caveat I'd add to what I agree with everything you said. When we put Buckner or Simpson or Lonergan or Holstein in at, at, at and they say, okay, it's 31 nothing, eight minutes to go, third quarter, and you put Buckner in, let's go, let's go, Buckner. He better have the playbook. Yeah, run the he, offense. He, run the offense. Now, be smart. Don't just chuck it up a bunch of time. But I mean, he's got to be able to get into the field. Agreed. Agreed. I, I hate, I mean, we, we, we have priority. We, I mean, I never want to embarrass the other team. I know coach doesn't, I don't want to either. I mean, I don't want to embarrass anybody out there, but we have a problem <laughs> and we got to address it and it's best addressed in the games and not on the practice field. So I'm with you, Luke. Uh, I, I would go again, this is Jimmy talking. I'm, I'm not predicting it to work this way, but what I would do is once we get a significant lead, Milrow would come out and Buckner would play with the whole playbook because I got to get Buckner ready to come in against Ole Miss because Milrow, I think, lost his his long leash, in my opinion. That, that's how I would look at it. But, uh, again, I want to reiterate one of the things I did right after the game, uh, you know, when we did the show, the first show, post game. If we don't block better, we don't run the ball better, we don't play defense better, it doesn't matter who we put in a quarterback. It doesn't matter. You I go can't back win. You can't win. You I go back to uh, what I've been saying all summer. Doesn't matter if Milrow is is uh, an Adonis. Doesn't matter if J.C. Latham is projected to be in the first ten picks, or Dallas Turner is, or or Kool Aid is, or whatever. If we ain't got an alpha out there telling everybody get get off your dead butt to, and and start making some plays happen, and I don't see one. I don't see one. Yep. Still, we're two games deep. I don't see a guy. I don't see a Jonathan Allen getting in somebody's face. I don't see a Deron Payne getting in somebody's face. A Reuben Foster, yeah. or a Rolo. I just don't see it. Yeah, I rarely say it, Luke. But uh, today would have been an interesting day to be in the building. Yep. Today would have been an interesting day. I want to know: Is are they mad? Are they determined? Or was it quiet? I mean, I, I think all of those things could mean something. But because I'm going to tell you, get, Jimmy, I'm sure you saw this. I don't really know what to feel. I know Amari Knobloch apparently uh, had some kind of Instagram live feed and he was sort of dancing and doing his thing and he got really excited that he got 170 live followers or something. And, it, it, you know, it it rubbed some people the wrong way because it was right, pretty much right after the game. And everybody's like, why are you dancing? Now, let's do say that he's 18, 19, 20 years old. And, you know, they, they probably shake it off a lot easier than we, the fans, do. They don't have to deal with all the message board crap. But uh, I still – it it rubs me the wrong way. Call me a boomer if you want to. That's fine. Um, I, I'd feel myself to be a little bit more liberal in that regard. But I'm just yeah. like, hey, if you want to get an Instagram Live going, can you, can you just wait till the next day? Because sure. – I, in my mind, you're taking this as seriously as I am. Yeah. And so when I see that you're not, I'm like, well, well, then why am I taking this seriously? Yeah, it's really more of a PR problem than a, than yeah. a non-black problem. Exactly. Uh, I'm always struck by, you know, and, and, and when I was back a lawyer, remembering lawyer things uh, in the code of ethics for, for judges, that's different than lawyers. Lawyers are supposed to avoid impropriety. Judges are supposed to avoid, per, per rules of ethics, the appearance of impropriety. And to me, Amari dancing after the game, it's more the appearance. It's not that you're doing that. That's really 
horrible, but you probably should have not been on Instagram doing it. Let, <laughs> you know, I'll end with a quick Luke Robinson story that, that came to mind. I may have told it on here before. As long as it's not a video of you dancing. <laughs> no, it is not. When it was, it was, I was going to show the Gus Malzahn break dance. You remember that? Uh, no, but when I was younger, I was like in seventh grade and I was really fat. Like I have a whole story about the warm ups that I had to wear. I mean, I could tell you a lot of things, but anyway, I was pretty chunky and um, I was not good at basketball, but our coach did not believe in cutting anybody. So our basketball team had approximately 45 players on it. <laughs> That's too many players on a basketball team. He not everybody was getting game. minutes. Not every, There's a lot of kids entering that portal because they weren't getting minutes. And I was one. I mean, later in life, I got pretty good. But at the time, I was terrible, like really bad. And he put me in the game. And it was one of those things I didn't need to be in the game. But he put me in the game. And he put me in the game at a time when it, like, it was kind of serious, like for seventh grade basketball. And I got fouled and I went to the free throw line and I missed both my foul shots. We ended up losing about three or four or whatever. I don't know. And I looked really down about it because those only shots I probably took all year. I was really down about it. And I get in the car and my brother, who's five and a half years younger than me, he gets in the car and everybody's sort of buckling up and it's awkward silence. And my brother Austin goes, Luke, why'd you miss those free throws? Like he asked it in a very serious way, like not trying to be mean. But my grandfather, I remember it very distinctly. My grandfather looked in the back. He had a pipe, and he looked, put, took it out, and he goes, son, I'm going to have to talk to you a little bit about timing. And, I, and that's, that's what I'm, I feel like my grandfather should look at Amari Knobloch and say, son, you can, you can boogie down on Instagram Live all you want to, but let's, let's talk about timing of the boogie and down. So, um, anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. We will be back tomorrow. And until then, roll tight, everybody. World Tap.